Hey, this is stand-up comedian Gina Brion, and welcome to showbizmonkeys.com. Around this town, I'm alright. Around this town, I'm alright. I mean, no consequence when you're playing with the fire. So yeah, I guess uh, I wanted to start uh, just at the beginning because you started doing stand-up uh, younger than almost any comic uh, I've ever met or talked to. Uh, you started at 17 years old. Yes, I did. What uh, What inspired you to jump into stand-up comedy so young when usually most people haven't even thought of it as something they want to do until they're in their you know 20s or something like that? Well, for me, um, you know. The way it started was one one night I was like channel surfing through my parents' cable, unbeknownst to them, <laughs> and I happened to start watching Brett Butler's one of her one of her comedy specials on Showtime. It was her second special. Now being the comedy nerd that I am, I know that it was her se- her second special <laughs> called that Brett Butler sold out, and um, I just became an instant fan of hers. I thought she was smart and funny and beautiful. And like, even at 17, like I got all her jokes. I mean, I mean, this was actually, no, this was when I was 14. So at 14, I got all her jokes and everything. And I thought she was just amazing. And I had never really seen anything like that because in the Latin community, when you see women on television, you don't see them being smart and funny. You often see them scantily clad, or if they are being funny, they are legitimately, they're dressed like clowns. Right. Like they are actually (laughs) dressed big nose, big hair, <laughs> dressed ridiculously, clown makeup and all. So for me, it was uh, it was a first getting to see a woman that was being smart and funny and had the attention of an entire room full of people. So it kind of blew me away and I became obsessed with stand-up comedy and started watching everything comedy-related that I could. I watched every comedy-related sitcom. I watched every bit of stand-up that I was permitted to watch. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of uh george burns through brett butler i became a george carlin fan okay yeah. and uh actually a huge george lopez fan he was another influence of mine because probably within a month of seeing brett i saw george lopez on uh one of the spanish channels that you know kind of cleverly deduced that i had now seen a woman and a and a latino and i was like well i'm both of those things <laughs> so there's no reason why i couldn't possibly do it either yeah most, most comedy happens in clubs and uh you wouldn't have been old enough to necessarily go into those clubs uh, i've heard stories of uh people in bands finding ways to get in uh underage but i'm curious how that worked for a comic i mean it's uh the good thing about like comedy clubs is i mean for a lot of them i always acted way more mature and way older than i actually was okay so i was never one of those kids that typically acted like a 17 year old kid i mean um, coming from a Latino background, we are basically just beaten into submission in terms of behavior in front of people. <laughs> it's like my mom had taught me how to behave around grownups. I was always around grownups, you know. And so for me, getting into a comedy club and acting like I belong there was pretty easy. Um, what was the hardest thing was being the youngest and the only female on a lot of these shows. Okay. So I felt like I constantly had to be on guard. You know, I constantly had to be aware of what I was saying, who I was hanging out with, because I knew, and you know, I had my share of uncomfortable situations with people, and I was able to thankfully get out of uh, most of it just by, you know, always having a smart mouth and being a slick talker and being a streetwise kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
I was able to get myself out of trouble. But for the most part, getting into the clubs themselves for a comic, as long as you knew the door guy, you were pretty much good because he knew I was a comic. Any of the guys knew I was a comic, so for me, walking into a club was never the problem as soon as I got past the powers that be and could actually perform on stage. Yeah, well, and I guess um, that was the key, right? Like, if, if, as mm-hmm. long as you had chops on stage, then they they wouldn't question anything. Yeah, as long as you were, and you were okay with a little bit of, you know, obviously comics are just known for giving each other crap, so, like, as long as you could take it as well as you could dish it out, I mean... You had to have a thick skin, and you know you built up one. Being being younger and being a female, I definitely built up a thicker skin than I already had being Puerto Rican girl from the South Bronx. Right. <laughs> so, you know, as long as you could hang with the guys, you were pretty much you were pretty good. Now, I imagine uh, over the years, uh, especially starting that young, uh, your your writing process has probably changed. Uh, have you thought about uh, your growth in that way, just from the first couple of years uh, starting out to, to now when you're doing, obviously, much larger shows and you did a special recently and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, it changes over the years. I mean, I'd be, you know, just having started so young, you grow up, you start to know, you get a better handle on what is going to work. You start to know your voice better and you know, you know, what's, what beats you're going to work on stage. And I mean, it's all still hit or miss when you throw stuff out. You might think something's hilarious and the audience might be like, yeah, rethink that one. <laughs> um, you might think something is incredibly funny to you or you might have to find a way to word it. But the longer you stay in this business and the more stage time you get and the more times you get on stage, the more your writing process evolves from just this kind of manic I just have to write about everything, which I think in the beginning for any comic, it's just like everything is, everything is going into this. And, you know, I'm, I have to write a joke about every single thing in my life. <laughs> you start to sort of uh, trim the fat a lot easier and be like, you know, some situations are funny because they're centric to me and I understand the situation. But if I tried to do this on stage, it would be entirely too personal. And the audience wouldn't get it. And then there are things that, you know, you could definitely turn into a story on stage or something. Mm-hmm. And it's all about really learning how to, mold and shape uh, an idea into something that an audience of strangers could relate to. Right. Um, and do you, do you feel now that, uh, that you're at this point in your career where you've, you've had the, the special, you've probably got a, you know, a couple hours under your belt, things like that. Do you feel just more comfortable throwing stuff away and writing new stuff and not necessarily needing to rely on some of the older material that you've had? It always kind of feels good to do a little bit of purging. Uh, it's a scary process for any comic, <laughs> I think. Like, you yeah. spend so much time working on, like, the hour that you have. And people also, on occasion, come out and they want to see that. Right, they want to yeah, see yeah. that stuff. So there also is a scariness in the expectation that people have for what they're going to see when they come out. Um, but as your life changes and... And as you grow as a person, your material is naturally going to kind of take on a different shape or a different tone. I mean, you look at the Dave Chappelle that we met in the beginning and you look at the Dave Chappelle that we know now and the things that that man has been through, you see the growth. You know, he may have the same cadence on stage and, you know, generally be the same person, but life has, you know, taken turns that sort of 
forced him into this evolution yeah. that you now see. There's a much darker version of him on stage, I think, now than there was before. And as a comic, there is a beauty in that process of like, oh my God, my life is so different. I can't wa- wait to tell this room full of strangers <laughs> that's been following my story how different my life is then than it, than it is now. Well, that's the thing, I guess, even if if they're fans who might have come to to expect certain bits or things they've heard before, because they're fans of yours, they would appreciate even more so than people hearing you for the first time, that growth and that change and that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. There, there are people that, like, as, as a comic, it's always nice to have people that have kind of followed you throughout your career and seen your different transitions and appreciated the change as a person and can relate to the different stories you're telling. I think one of the most relatable things for people is change. Mm -hmm. And so the more you can talk about your change or your evolution on stage, the more people are drawn in because that is such a huge part of life. So it's one of the things I love about comics that I'm a diehard fan of. I always loved seeing what their next special was going to be like, what shape it was going to take, how their life had changed, had they got divorced, had they got married, had they had a kid, had they moved, it, well, like what had changed in their life that I was going to hear about. That's the exciting part for me as a comedy fan. So I think for people that come to watch me, it's always like the, the new stuff they're going to find out is, is what excites me as like, wait till they hear these new stories now. Yeah, I'm I'm curious actually, uh as someone who's a comedy fan, you mentioned earlier that you're a comedy nerd, which uh which yeah. generally means that you're really, really into comedy. <laughs> but now you you know, you've been a performer for so long. Uh do you still watch a lot of comedy? Because I've talked to friends of mine who are comics and they say as they do it more and more, they kind of some of them stop watching a lot of comedy other than when they're out at clubs and performing because they don't want to be influenced too much by other comics i absolutely love watching comedy (laughs) um there are times when i want to sit down and just like i'll walk into a comedy club and their assumption is that i always want to go on stage and i'm like no i just want to watch the show (laughs) i just want to sit down and enjoy the show i i still love watching comedy that's great (laughs) it's one of my favorite things to do i watch comedy specials on netflix i watch them you know whenever i can i'll and I'll rewatch specials. I mean, I think I've watched George Lopez's Why Are You Crying so many times at Lost Count. <laughs> um, I love to watch my favorite comedy specials. It just sort of, I find it very zen um, to watch the people that I admire. And sometimes that zoning out is just what you need to get those creative juices flowing. Because like, while I'm watching comedy, I'm not thinking about work. Right. <laughs> I'm just kind of enjoying it. And that to me is the best way to actually sort of get my brain, give my brain a little bit of a break so that when I jump back into the creative process, it's so much better. I never really understood comics that don't like watching comedy. I'm like, it's it's like a musician who doesn't listen to the great musicians, you know? I mean, it's like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how you can't want to watch it. I mean, I can understand like walking away from bad comedy. It's hard for me to watch somebody bomb on stage. But right. I, I, can, I can relate to the feeling of, oh, that's not going well. Oh, this poor guy. But I mean, that's probably the only situation when I don't enjoy watching comedy is watching somebody struggle on stage. It's really hard because I, I genuinely feel bad for that. Because <laughs> you, you, you know more than anyone what that really feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they're not a good human being. And then I'm like, well, maybe you needed to play. Maybe you needed to eat it a little bit. <laughs> get, get a little humble. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's fair. Um, well, as, as as a fellow comedy nerd, I'm just happy to hear because when I when I've heard other comics talk about that, it feels like they've almost like lost the love for comedy like they do it and they love doing oh, it totally. but it feels like they've lost something there when they when they feel like they can't watch it anymore and i it's it's sad. it reminds me of a lot of um uh a lot of the elitism you see in musicians my, my husband's a musician and uh he's definitely guilty of this where like if a hip-hop song comes on he's like ugh, and he's like oh there's because there's no to him there's no instrumentation there's no there's no creativity in that. And from my perspective, having grown up in the South Bronx, having, you know, um, been in the studio with, with certain hip-hop artists and certain people, like, watching them work, I can appreciate all different facets of it because, to me, it's still creativity. But there comes with a, a certain elitist when you're, a mu- when you're a musician, you know, it's almost like you believe that there are only a certain list of people and are only certain types of music that you can appreciate and get into that's like quote unquote real music. I think the same thing happens with comedy where you're just like, oh, I could never watch comedy. Why would I watch comedy? I'm a comedian. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, because you love it. Because <laughs> like, I figured you love it and you'd want to watch it. Like, I mean, I love ice cream, but I don't walk down the ice cream aisle like, oh, all this <laughs> damn ice cream. You've done some work on uh, on TV, uh, recurring on Kevin Can Wait, that kind of thing. Uh, first off, how has that experience been? Working on the show was phenomenal. Kevin's a great guy. The entire cast was amazing. I mean, just it's a pleasure when everybody from production to the writers to the to the actors themselves are all pleasant people to work with. Like when you're in such an open, creative environment and working with such great people. I mean. Joe Starr and uh, Adam Ferraro were some of the people that were on, you know, when I was on that. Joe's a regular on the show, and Adam was one of the guest stars. Those are two of my favorite people I've ever worked with. And Kevin is so great to just watch. He wears so many hats on the show. And as a comic and as somebody who, you know, loves to think of myself as like a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to certain things, just watching Kevin wear the hat as a writer and a performer and, you know, also working with a director. And it was just amazing to watch and the process of performing in front of a live studio audience was is is kind of addictive for a comic <laughs> i understand why so many comics did multicams back in the day because there's nothing like that hitting that beat and having that audience laugh it's instant gratification and being able to do that was phenomenal well, yeah, and as as a comic with so much stage experience, certainly if you're going to do TV, having that, that multicam gives you that instant gratification that other TV wouldn't. Yeah, as, as, and I am a, I, though I am a fan of uh, single cam uh, comedies as well. When I had that experience with Kevin Can Wait and actually being there for a multicam, I definitely see the appeal for so many comics. Because it is that, I mean, it's, it's like you're doing your stand-up. It's that instant gratification of getting the laughs and interacting with people. Because, you know, in between takes, you're like looking at the audience and, and talking with them, waving hi to them <laughs> and stuff. And it's that, you know, there's always a good energy there. So it's, it's incredibly energizing. It just makes you want to give your best. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I, I think I know the answer to this question just based on uh, your your love for comedy and all that. But a lo- uh, some comics get into comedy with the intention of just being in show business and growing in whatever way they can. And a uh, comedy might just be a stepping stone for them. But uh, I imagine for you, even when you have opportunities to do all these other things, 
is stand up still your love and like the end game for you? I love stand up, but I love it especially when I'm in charge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when I'm doing a headlining date or something like that. Um, short sets are fun and can be good to like work stuff out. But like when I'm doing a longer set and I can really enjoy my time, I mean, those are my favorite moments. Um, I've definitely gotten more comfortable acting because it's very difficult to relinquish control when you're so used to being in the driver's yeah. seat as a comic and let go of that for the purposes of acting and, you know, having faith in someone else's punchlines and their timing can be a really difficult thing for a lot of comics. But for me, there's nothing like being in the driver's seat and getting an audience to a point where they feel like they're watching a friend versus just some random comic where they feel so connected to the material you're doing. You can see them nodding and they're communicating with you and you're making eye contact with people. There's no, there's nothing like that. Like unifying a room full of strangers with all of my awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I should uh, talk to you about the reason we're chatting, which is your upcoming Just for Laughs Canadian tour. Oh, yes. I can't wait. I uh, I love JFL. I mean, I've uh, done the festival three times, and it's my, it's my absolute favorite thing. It is always a joy. I love the festival people. And when they had me on, they had me on a tour in April, I believe, of last year. I could be the year before, but... Um, I did sort of a mini version of what this tour is because we're hitting a lot of a lot more places uh, during this tour. But I had such a blast, and I love Alonzo, and I'm so excited to work with him. And Sammy, I got to meet in Montreal this year, and he is absolutely wonderful. And so it's gonna it's a good group of people, and I couldn't be more excited. Those two are both mainstays on these national tours. Yeah. So uh, certainly good people to go out on uh, go out on the road with, uh, and you know they'll be able to let you know exactly what to expect. And great people to learn from. Yes, yeah, that too. I just I love being able to watch people and feel like I'm going to walk away having learned something from their stage presence, from the especially watching somebody like Alonzo, who I've been a I've been a fan of Alonzo's for I mean so many years now as both as a person as somebody I consider just incredibly intelligent and just a great conversationalist and a phenomenal comic. Yeah. So for me to be able to work with him on this tour is so awesome. Uh, are there any cities that you noticed were on the tour that uh, you hadn't been to before that you're uh, excited about? All of them. No, I don't know. <laughs> good answer, <laughs> I mean, good answer. There are, <laughs> I'm, I am excited to hit all the cities. I can't, I can't um, I mean, it's hard to say. I know that in Vancouver, I've had, uh, had such a great time last time I was in Vancouver. I absolutely love it there. So I'm excited to be going back to Vancouver. I may, if we have time, go, you know, see if I can stop by some of my favorite clubs out there and see some of my favorite people. And hopefully, you know, like any other comic, I'm like, maybe I'll jump on stage while I'm out there a little bit. Um, but I'm excited for Vancouver for sure. Um, to be in Toronto is going to be fun because the last time we did the tour, although we stayed in Toronto, we did no shows in Toronto. Oh. <laughs> so everybody in Toronto was like, what? So this time around, we'll actually we'll be at the Massey Theater there. And uh, I'm excited. For that, because I do love Toronto too. Toronto was one of the first places I ever actually got to visit in Canada. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to 
be going back there and I hear it's a beautiful venue. So, I mean, there's a bunch of like Edmonton I've never been to. So like, I'm excited for that. And, and there's a bunch of cities that I'm just really excited to get to see and take pictures of and, and post all the pictures <laughs> and take annoying videos <laughs> and be very touristy. I want to be very touristy. I'm prepared. Well, that's that. That's the fun part of tours like this. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the other thing I wanted to touch on is you were just named, I think it was earlier this year, uh, Rolling Stone named you one of the 10 comedians you need to know, which is a pretty cool honor. Yeah, that was that was such an honor. And it, it came out of nowhere. Like my agent at the time, she sent me a link to the uh, Rolling Stone thing, and I was just kind of blown away. I, I never, I feel like I never make any one of those like comedy lists <laughs> to the point where I had just kind of, I just kind of gracefully bowed out and been like, I'm just never going to make one of those lists. And then I get hit with this Rolling Stone thing and it was just incredible. It was just an incredible honor. And, you know, the people that I'm on the list with are, are just, it's a great group of people to be with. And I still kind of, you know, get a little bit like, you know, nerdy about it. <laughs> because, you know, I'll go back to the 17-year-old kid that started this. If I if I could go and tell her, like, you're going to be one of Rolling Stone's 10 comics to watch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the things you're going to actually accomplish are going to kind of blow your mind. I, I like to sit back and really kind of be grateful and appreciate that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, you've accomplished so much already, but have you set, uh, maybe you don't want to talk about them, but have you set uh, goals beyond uh, where you're at now? Like where, what kind of things you want to do over the next few years? Well, I mean, I feel like I'm always trying to push myself to whatever that next level is. So for me, you know, I can't wait for the next special to come out. I can't wait to start going into production for my next special, like, and all of that, because people are like, when's the next special? When's the next special? Trust me, it's coming. <laughs> but in between touring and doing TV stuff and like everything, it's like, just uh, as soon as we can set it up and we can get a venue and set everything up, it is going to happen. And I can't wait for it because it will be so different from my last special. My life has changed so much. I mean, I'm married now and went through two to three, two, two and a half years of uh, hating the single life. and. <laughs> And learning experiences and traveling. And so, like, it's it's going to be great. And then also other stuff is in the works in terms of, you know, uh, working on TV more and hopefully in films more. And I'm really excited about this kind of next level, this next leg of my career. You know, I have a great team of people working with me that are, you know, such huge supporters of mine at Levity and at UTA and uh, other people in the business who are just so wonderfully supportive. So I'm really looking forward to the things that are on the horizon. And, you know, there's a lot, some of which I can talk about, some of which yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm trying to be very general right now so that nobody goes, why did you say that? I understand. But uh, there are stuff. <laughs> there's stuff on the horizon that I would love to. And once I can, I will shout it from the hilltop. I guess you, you mentioned that you'll be taking video and touristy stuff. So will that be on your social media? And where can people find all of that for you? Uh, Instagram is Gbrion, uh, G-B-R-I-L-L-O-N. Uh, everything else is Gina Brion, my Twitter, my Facebook fan page. And I go live on my fan page usually Wednesdays and Sundays so I can talk to the fans and let them know what's going on. And especially since I've been MIA for the past two weeks, I'll be going live and uh, telling everybody. You know, usually if I'm on tour, I tell the people to be patient because it can be a little hard depending on where I'm at to go live. But I stay in communication via social media with a lot of the people on the fan page. 
and I have a website, GinaBrioneComedy.com, so they can also check that out. That's so yeah, it's so great that you engage that way. I like to. I think it's important to appreciate the people that appreciate my work and to actually be able to talk to them. Kind of amazing that I can do that on social media and to communicate with them. Like, I don't know if I'll forever be able to do it, (laughs) but for right now, since I can, I'm enjoying my time getting to know the fans. And I have some very awesome fans that are just the sweetest people. And uh, I enjoy interacting with them a lot. Showbizmonkeys.com